Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the future of third-party fulfillment with my friend, Andy Lloyd. How's it going, Andy? Good, good. How are you doing? Excellent, excellent. I'm glad we get a chance to talk about this topic. So important. Fulfillment is everything now with e-commerce growing like it has. We need to know more about fulfillment. We've been talking a lot about it on my podcast, but we have not talked to anybody about the software that underlies it. We talk so much about transportation management. Today, we're talking to a guy who is an expert in warehouse management systems software. (laughs) So anyway, before we get started, Andy, please introduce yourself and your company. Great. Yeah. So uh, Andy Lloyd, I'm the CEO at 3PL Central. I've been the the CEO there since 2018. 3PL Central is really a company that was built around the unique needs of third-party logistics companies. So there are a lot of people out there who, who have pretty strong offerings in the warehouse management space, but a lot of them are for what we would call a private warehouse, which is a company-owned or operated warehouse. Right. And third-party logistics companies really have unique needs. And the company grew out of the need that a husband and wife team had when they were running their own third-party logistics business. They didn't have software that really was a good fit for, for what they were trying to accomplish. And so they built software of their own use, and then they, they figured out that it was a pretty good fit for other people to use. And so it really has been a tailored experience that you know I think is, is really pretty clearly the leading player in, in our segment of the industry. Yep. And, and I say this a few times on my podcast in the past is that when you think about going into e-commerce, so if you're a traditional retailer getting into it or kind of a e-commerce native, there's all sorts of warehouses. And to your point, you can call one and they'll say, oh, well, we do this. And, and it's a private warehouse or a warehouse that is really primarily focused on moving trucks to retail locations or distribution places. And the challenge with that is they might not get the uh, rhythm <laughs> and the speed required yes. on the other side, which is a ton of small parcel, not 50 trucks a day, but 4,000 packages. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and they'd have to go out. It's a pretty demanding business. I think I'm pretty sure it's in by two, the order's in by two. You have to ship it that day for a lot of customers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, the, the speed with which most of our customers are able to go from an order arriving in the warehouse to, to getting the packages out the door, it, it's really, it's really quite impressive. You know, we, we do, you know, see a tremendous amount of growth and a lot of our customers started out in that world that you talked about, you know, kind of the pallet in, right. pallet out world. We have a customer that ships Blackhawk helicopters, right? Nice. It's not, it's, it's not that hard to keep track because you're not shipping 4,000 of those in a day, hopefully. So we could have done this live. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you go from that world where you're you're shipping pallets or you're shipping helicopters or you're shipping right. you know big things to a world where you're shipping 4000 orders things like accuracy and measurement and and those things become a whole lot more important. So a lot of times when people get into e-commerce for the first time that's when they'll pick up the phone and give us a call and, and see if right. our software can help. And and I I've, I've also said this about you go to find a warehouse that can do your fulfillment and I'm in my 50s, so I can say this. There's a different culture that's uh, that might have developed, and they, everybody can change their change their uh, business anytime they want. But I kind of think somebody might say, "Yeah, that's our we're a hundred million dollar business, and that's all we do. We're warehousing." But it just might be the wrong kind of warehousing. 
Yeah, yeah, there's definitely there, there's definitely that element. I mean, we saw a, a tremendous influx of people who recognized the opportunity in e-commerce last year. Obviously, you know, as we all as we all sheltered at home, you know, they they saw that frankly there just wasn't enough capacity out there to to serve the needs of all these e-commerce companies and got into the business. Yeah. Yep. And I can say this because I have a lot of these conversations in the past with warehousing companies that don't have any software. And I will say there's also still transportation companies freight brokerage companies that don't have a TMS. It kind of blows me away that they can still exist, but they're, they're better than I am because I just feel like I would, I would, I would quit if I got to a warehouse. They like, Oh, we don't need any of those damn systems we're doing. In there. We got Excel. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things that's, that's interesting about it is a third party logistics warehouse has their own customers and then their customers have customers. And so, you know, consumers want to know, from the time they place an order, exactly the status of that order. And the reality is if you're fulfilling these orders with, with paper and Excel, the consumer <sighs> doesn't really know until the package, you know, sometimes until the package shows up on their doorstep. And so right. those demand, the, the increasing expectations of consumers have also led a lot of these warehouses to adopt more right. sophisticated software. Right. So visibility always comes up yeah. on my podcast. Yeah. And I always say, we no longer say things like, oh, well, we have electricity here. Because <laughs> there's an assumption. Now it's almost the same with consumers. Of course you have visibility. And if you don't, you're like, I don't know. I, 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 I buy stuff from Amazon. I get that. I don't understand why I don't get it from these guys. But before we get into all of that detail, let's learn a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? And give us some career highlights before you joined 3PL Central. Yeah, so I, I grew up uh, in, a, in a small town called Mercer Island, Washington, which is just outside of Seattle. Great childhood, spent a lot of time swimming. So I was a competitive swimmer, swimmer growing up and uh, was fortunate enough to carry my swimming career through to college where I went to Stanford and moved to the Bay Area. And relative to the weather, I just got to the Bay Area and never ended up moving back to Seattle. But uh, you know, swimming was a, a really big piece of, of my career growing up. And I think there, one of the things that was really important that swimming taught me was a around the importance of goal setting. One of the things that's nice about swimming versus some of the other sports is that nobody's playing defense, right? And so you really own, <laughs> you own your own successes or failures because it's you and the black line on the bottom of the pool. And so setting goals and then achieving them or not and having a really honest conversation with yourself about why you didn't achieve those goals, I think is something that shaped my entire professional career. And so that was a big piece of, of my, my childhood. Right. So where'd you start your career once you left uh, college? <laughs> uh, it was a meandering path at first. We'll just say that. So, you know, so I was pre-med in college. You know, the thing that was interesting is that was, you know, I would graduate, I'll date myself. I graduated in the early 90s. And that was when the, the Clintons were going to socialize healthcare and it was going to ruin the entire healthcare system. Right. And so of the, of the doctors that I went and talked to about being a doctor, 0% of them recommended becoming a doctor. And so I was like, okay, well, that's a challenge because now I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And so I actually, I, I majored in developmental psychology in school. And so I actually ended up being a preschool teacher for a couple of years, which is probably where I learned most of my management skills. <laughs> right. um, but, uh, and so I was teaching preschool and I didn't really know what was going to come next. And, um, Fortunately, I have a couple older sisters who were, I think, great uh, mentors to me who, who managed to get me a kind of a foothold in the high tech industry. And I tried it because I didn't know what else I was going to do. And uh, I actually found that I really love, I love software. I love the idea that you can build software that solves real world problems. And so, you know, ever, basically ever since I got started in the world of software, it's, it's been what I've done with my life. Well, that's how everybody gets to logistics. The story you told, that's how all we all <laughs> logistics. It was not where I planned to be. And I always used to tell my kids that is that when you get out of high school, 
college or whatever, you start your first gig. You don't ever think of that as your career, but I, I know people with these, you never hear anyone say, when I grow up, I'm going to, I'm going to sell insurance, but people sell insurance and it's a good gig, right? <laughs> but nobody planned on it. It just happened. I feel like logistics and transportation was that route. And yeah. I mean, I know you're more of a software guy, but you're now in, you're one of us. Yeah. I, I think you can't wash it off by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm stuck with it now. I, I think the thing that's really interesting about it though, is uh, I, I think there are, are, are parallels, right? Logistics solves real world problems, right? Like it, it may not be something you think about every day, like all the stuff that's happening to get you your orders when you order them on an right. e-commerce site. But when you get into the, the problem domain, it's really interesting to be able to affect positive change and make things work better. And I think that that's, right. you know, that's the, the, the common thread between software and logistics is that it's, it's helping people get their jobs done better and more effectively. Right. And I always look at like software and logistics as the same as engineering and manufacturing. So I spent much of my career in engineering and engineers would always get dragged into manufacturing because that's where the real real world is, right? Yeah. Our theoretical world, everything works perfectly. Then you drag us to the plant and go, oh, God, <laughs> <laughs> I do that. <laughs> and I feel software is the same way where you keep getting dragged into that distribution center saying, hey, look what's happening. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <think> this thing? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, when I, when I talk to people about our product and our company, you know, one of the things that's really unique is if you come out with a new accounting package, the, the person is still going to sit at their desk and do their accounting. They may click on buttons in different places or enter data into different fields. But when you're installing software into a warehouse, the warehouse actually has a physical configuration. Right. And in many cases, we're, we're going in there and, and recommending best practices and saying, well, how about if you do this? And you know, some of our customers are really receptive to that. They want to learn. And some of them are like, our warehouse has been configured this way for 15 years and you're right. coming in and telling us what we need to do. And so, and so it, it really is a unique aspect of software that I've never experienced before in my career. Right. For many years when I was in automotive and manufacturing, my job was making processes work better. And I always looked at when we started getting software, <laughs> I remember thinking, yeah, this is process in a box. This is nice. You have no choice. If you didn't get the job done, you have to use the software. So right. don't fight it, guys. Right. <laughs> I always say the software guys are like 10 and 0. So they are going to win. <laughs> Just get on board. Before we get into the future of third-party fulfillment, what drew you to 3PL Central? I mean, you've had a very successful career. You could have gone a lot of different places. Why make the move into fulfillment and software? Yeah, so I've spent most of my career working in e-commerce, and the, and the thing that's been really interesting, you, you talk about kind of falling into logistics. Really early in my career, I was at a company that built interactive components for front-end e-commerce websites and did a lot of great website design, product configuration on the front end. And so it was really very consumer-facing. And, you know, you kind of get pulled deeper and deeper into the problem domain. At that first company, we called everything that happened after you click buy now details. And it was just kind of like, you know, <laughs> stuff happens and the, and the product shows up. And progressively kind of moved deeper into order management, which, you know, where you're, you're right. thinking about what the fulfillment strategy is and how you're going to route orders and where you're going to locate inventory. And then you eventually ended up in the warehouse. And I think it's because, you know, when you look at e-commerce, 10 years ago, if you placed an order and it arrived in two days, it was like black magic voodoo and it was the greatest right. thing ever, right? And consumer expectations have continued to rise. And I think that the space that 3PL Central is playing in, I think is, is really positioned to be an incredibly important piece of the consumer experience going forward from an e-commerce perspective. You know, ultimately, you know, one of the biggest reasons why I came to work at 3PL Central is because 
Amazon is in this process of continually raising consumer expectations. And when you look at the, the breadth of their fulfillment network, you know, with 150 plus warehouses, who knows, right? Tomorrow it'll be t- 10 more, right? <laughs> right. The average company is not going to be able to build anything remotely competitive with that. You know, frankly, Walmart, Target, Home Depot, maybe those guys can do something in that neighborhood. But the rest of the world is really going to be dependent upon third-party logistics companies in order to right. f- execute their fulfillment strategy. So I think it's a really exciting segment of the of the industry. And it's also a, a segment where I think there's an opportunity to use technology more effectively to, to help make our customers more successful. Right. You know, it's interesting. We've had this conversation on the podcast before is that if you start an e-commerce business, chances are you started an e-commerce business because you uh, are really good at SEO. You're really good at merchandising, retail, something. You're good at driving traffic to a website. So you say, I'm going to start this business. And the challenge is always on the other side. As soon as the order, (laughs) as soon as they put it in and swipe their card and then you go, now it gets ugly. And that's really the area they didn't know. And I think for a long time, there was a real big gap where between warehousing and e-commerce. Because I've talked to a lot of people who call and say, can you recommend a 3PL for me? And by the way, everybody, if you're, not, if you're in that business, a lot of fulfillment centers aren't interested in your business if it doesn't fit what they're doing. And they also quickly recognize if you're not going to be successful. So if you're not successful, they aren't going to want to bring you on because they've had, they've seen all this before. They've boomed, had a ton of inventory and then found out, Hey, these guys don't know how to sell it. But anyway, there was a big gap. And I feel like there's companies like yours that are bridging the gap between e-commerce and warehousing or fulfillment. (laughs) So yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the the thing that's interesting is, you know, you you talked about how, you know, a lot of us have kind of fallen into this industry. You know, I actually, that's, that's one of the things I had to learn when I got to 3PL central, you know, I would talk to people and they'd say they'd use the term warehousing. And I would think that that meant e-commerce fulfillment because I'd spent my whole (laughs) life in e-commerce and and no, it's like recurring storage and, you know, a, a bunch of that stuff. Right. And so, so, um, you know, one of the things that we have progressively done is, is really focused on building out our e-commerce capabilities to make it a lot easier for our customers that maybe are in a traditional B2B fulfillment, retail replenishment side of things to move into e-commerce without having to rip out all the systems that they have. And so we do serve the breadth of, of the third-party logistics industry, you know, I think pretty well. Right. So let's talk a little bit about the future of third-party fulfillment. When we were talking, initially, we were just going to talk about fulfillment networks, and then it just kept going and going, and you had a lot of, uh, a lot of things you've got your fingers in. So talk about some of the what you think or what you see on the horizon here for the industry. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a huge piece of what's on the horizon is is going to be around getting smarter about your fulfillment strategy. You know, a lot of most probably third party logistics companies are single warehouse companies. And so recognizing the fact that in order to do even two day free e-commerce fulfillment, you need to locate the product a whole lot closer to, to consumers. And it's, it's simply not possible to do from a single warehouse. And so we recently acquired a company called Scubana that is an intelligent order routing system that not only helps you route your orders more intelligently, but, but also helps you locate your inventory more intelligently. And so, you know, a lot more of our customers as we move up market are operating multiple warehouses. And so the, I think that the technology side of this is going to be a really important piece of of how companies get more effective at, at doing e-commerce fulfillment. You know, if you if you only you only have so many 
so much inventory and you know in an ideal world you would be able to locate the inventory next door to every american but that, right. that's not that's <laughs> not that's not practical and and so helping find that you know build build those intelligent networks where you're you're smart about where you locate the inventory and you're also smart about how you fulfill orders i think is is right. the biggest challenge on the horizon so if i'm let's just say i'm uh, i'm making apple pies here in michigan and i want to sell them let's just say i've got a little warehouse here i'm i'm really good in one day from michigan which is not a bad place it's not the best place but it's not a bad place to do fulfillment from but the problem is i start growing to texas and los angeles where we have so uh, to california to the west coast I can't get my apple pies there on a timely basis. If it goes, what's four or five days? And if I want to air freight it, it's very expensive. So I'm going to need help. And to your point, what'd you say? About half of fulfillment companies are one, one location. Yeah. Yeah. So I would need to, I would potentially find myself saying I need to work with three or four different companies <laughs> or find one company that is big enough to handle all of it. But that might not be, they might not even accept me. They might say you're too small, Joe. Yep, ex- exactly. Yeah. And, and so what we're starting to see is, is a lot of our customers collaborating around, I don't think we're unique, but we're calling a, a four part, a four PL fulfillment networks. And so if I have a warehouse in New Jersey and then, you know, somebody else who's running our software has a warehouse in Los Angeles, those two companies get together and say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to sign up this customer, but I'm going to send half of their inventory to you so that you can fulfill it faster. Right. It really is a, it's, it's a win-win because, you know, the, the retailer ends up getting the product to consumers faster and cheaper. And uh, the third-party logistics companies actually end up being able to serve their customers better and, and have this, this kind of coopetition, if you will. Right. You need the software to be the same. I can't, I mean, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense if I have to integrate. I just, I had lineage logistics on and they, they've been on this acquisition binge. And one of the things they talked about was every time we buy a new company, they have a different system. So they had dozen systems and they, and they're fantastic at the technology and they're fixing that, but, or bridging it with, they bridging it with a software they have, but that's a tough job. That's a really tough job. So I'm getting back to my pies. I could work with three or four different companies as long as they're all using the same software, ideally 3PL Central. <laughs> yeah, 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 let's hope. Yeah, I mean, you, you think about it from a consumer perspective, brands really want to offer a consistent customer experience, right? And so when, when the order arrives, they may be particular about the packaging or there may be a certain package insert that's supposed to go in. And so if, if one warehouse is using, you know, using our product and then another warehouse is using something that is, is not, you know, nearly as capable, you may have an inferior experience on orders that are fulfilled right. from that other warehouse. And, and, right. and that brands don't like that, right? And ultimately that, that harms their relationship with consumers and harms the relationship with the third party logistics company. Right. And I will also say this, you know, when you're working with a fulfillment partner, it's no fun to move. <laughs> it's a painful, painful experience. So if I have one good 3PL here, and let's just say they're using 3PL Central, and then I say, hey, my pies are catching fire. It's not just the Midwest. Everybody wants my pie. I could potentially get connected with some guys in Texas or Missouri or LA, wherever, right? So, they, and as long as they're all using the same software, I don't want to lose the little 3PL that I've been using, fulfillment center that I've been using. I like them. I don't also want that hassle as I grow. I just want to, I just want to open up another location. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the other, you know, I think the other piece of the puzzle is, 
Third-party logistics are incredibly important to e-commerce fulfillment, but most companies also do some element of the fulfillment themselves, right? And so right. understanding, you know, being smart about what orders get routed to your warehouse, where maybe the economics, frankly, are better for you to do the fulfillment yourself, but then then there's the trade-off in the customer experience and all those, you know, the freight-related charges and those kinds of things. And so, that's again, that's where we think that technology plays an important role. And and that probably, you know, most what most um, brands and retailers are doing is is not as is not as sophisticated as what they probably should be doing if they really want to compete right. for those consumer dollars. Right, right. And that, again, that, that everybody wants to bring that customer experience. The customer experience is easy when it's in your four walls at a retail location. It's a lot harder when it's in a box that has to be opened. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the, the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, and, and I've heard you say this, is that um, free fulfillment is not really free. And so <laughs> right. every, every time a, a retailer ends up overspending to fulfill and do second day fulfillment, those are dollars that they actually can't spend on R&D right. or retail locations or brand development or that sort of thing, right? And so the efficiency with which you execute your fulfillment strategy has far-reaching impacts to the success of the business overall. Right. So it, it, I know we say free shipping, and, and to your point, it's subsidized somehow. Either they think they're going to get that extra funding from me later, or VC is losing that money, or more and more, the government gives stuff away for free. <laughs> their, their money's free, so maybe that's where it came from. On my podcast, we often talk about building networks of carriers. And my feeling is always the same when somebody says, I have 15,000 carriers that we work with in our network. And you go, well, that's great. And I always ask, how many checks do you write every month? I like 200. <laughs> but I think if you were to get a fulfillment network of fulfillment partners, it would be different because that's your, that's a strategic partner. That is not a transactional deal. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot that goes into like bringing a new customer on board and understanding that what their expectations are in terms of the experience. And, you know, the other, the other challenge I think is the diversity of products, you know, fulfilling t-shirts is very different than fulfilling water skis. And so what we also see is that some companies are going to hybrid models where maybe they do their own fulfillment for the, the difficult products. And then the third-party logistics companies are the ones that they're actually shipping in volume and really trying to provide a, a fast and cheap experience for the fulfillment. 3PL Central play matchmaker between fulfillment centers that are using your software? Yeah, increasingly, we actually, we get a surprising number of companies that come to us just because of our name and think we're a third-party logistics company. And so we're always happy to pass those along to our customers. But then even inside of our customer base, we have customers that come to us and say, right now, you know, one of the big challenges that most logistics companies are facing is, is warehouse space is really hard to come by and, and really oh, expensive, yeah. you know, especially out in California. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I heard that there's like a 2% vacancy rate in, in the Los Angeles area, right? And so there are a variety of times when they come to us. One of them is my warehouse is full and I can't bring on new customers. Do you have a, another customer in the area that has space available? And so, you know, we do some, we do some matchmaking in that regard where, where nice. they can offload some of their slower moving, slower moving inventory. And then we also do it geographically where, you know, and it's interesting. There are two common scenarios. I have an East Coast warehouse and I need a partner on the West Coast to do my fulfillment and, and we're, right. we facilitate those introductions. And then cross border to Canada is actually another interesting area where, yeah. you know, I need, I want somebody who has a warehouse in Canada just to simplify the whole thing and not have to move goods across the border nearly as often. Nice. So we're talking about the, the future of third party fulfillment. So the first one is this fulfillment networks, which makes a ton of sense to me because as fulfillment grows, I'm sure there's somebody who's going to buy up and cobble together a network that it's nationwide, but not everybody. And, and not everyone's going to sell overnight. I think it's important that we have that 
integration at the software level. Because again, if the software doesn't connect and you say, yeah, I have three different fulfillment companies working with me in three different parts of the country and three different softwares, that's like a nightmare. I just, that doesn't work for me. Right, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, and, and I think the roll-up strategy that one of the things that's interesting about the, you know, the logistics industry, that's an expensive capital intensive business, right? right? right. You know, software, you know, software is, is easy because you can shoot bits around the world, you know, al- almost for free. And so that's where we think that technology companies are going to have an important role to play in, in the next generation of this is getting to a, a world where you don't have to actually own all of the physical assets and you can actually use them intelligently. Right. You know, one of the jokes that I make about third party logistics companies is that they're, they're mercenaries. They don't care whose stuff is coming or going from their warehouse. House, right, they they just care what it you know how it's shaped and what kind of boxes it needs to go in, right. and and so when you look at it that way, it, it's really interesting to be able to manage a network where you know we have over sixteen hundred warehouses that are running our software, and so we can send an order to any one of those warehouses, and the configuration can be the same, and the the strategy for fulfillment can be the same, and so and the visibility, good, yeah, ex- and yeah, absolutely, and visibility across that network, and so you know getting software up and running inside a warehouse is a really difficult thing to do because there's a physical configuration that exists in the warehouse, and sometimes there are some compromises that need to get made between changing the software and changing the, the right. physical layout, and so you know so once you get the software up and running inside a warehouse, really being able to offer that consistent experience across all those warehouses is a really important piece of the puzzle. Right. So building those networks, the, the well, you, fulfillment networks, I've never heard this before. So we're creating, you're developing networks of fulfillment centers. That's the first one. So what's another thing that you see coming in the near future? Certainly, I think that being smarter about where inventory is located, and that's part of the the, the, the network story, I think is, is a really important piece. And then also, you know, we think that making sure that our customers are successful at running our software is a big piece of this. You know, if you're going to be part of a fulfillment network, you want to know that the other people who are participating in that network meet the same service level agreements, have the same accuracy expectations. And so doing things like ensuring that they're using barcode scanning to measure accuracy so that, you know, you're not partnering with somebody who's getting orders right 75% of the time. And so um, our mobile scanning solution is is one of the, the pieces of our product that we think really is a differentiator for people who are doing high, co- high volume e-commerce to try and make them as efficient as possible. And, and really, frankly, they just as soon not use a keyboard for anything. They really would like it to all be barcode scanning. And so that that, that provides not just accuracy, but also real-time visibility into what's happening on the warehouse floor. Right. And, and this has come up on my podcast before is that, you know, if you're an individual and you're working in a fulfillment center, you have options too. We, we talk when we we're prepping for this, a lot of those people are going to be attracted to the gig economy. You know, Hey, look, I can drive around in my car all day or I can go here. Now I would, I would be happy to go into a fulfillment center if I can use high tech equipment. I'm scanning stuff and I can, if I can have a career. I'm obviously being more accurate also. So I, I, I think there's two, there's two pieces to that, which I want a career. My employer and my customers want accuracy and efficiency. So if I can have like a high tech experience as an employee, and I mean, if you had a son or daughter and they were working at a fulfillment center, you'd be happy if they said, oh yeah, I'm scanning this and I take it to the pack center and I'm doing this. You would be less happy if you, you heard they're walking around with scraps of paper. Right, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or, or lift, lifting heavy boxes, right? You know, right. Yeah, I mean, we, that's a huge piece of, of what we see an opportunity with in the industry. One of the things that we've actually recently rolled out is actually a scholarship program to encourage 
college students to, to get into logistics and supply chain related fields. Because we do think that there's a, a really exciting opportunity. Listen, you know, technology can do a lot of stuff, but at the end of the day, the, the, the goods still need to move from the factory to the warehouse to, to your house, right? Or to the retail <laughs> right. store. And so making sure that we're encouraging, you know, the, you know, the best and brightest to actually get involved in our industry is a big piece. And so we have a scholarship that we uh, offer that's, you know, available on our website for people who are interested. And then beyond that, um, training is a big piece of, of where we're investing. So we've recently expanded our training capabilities, brought on a, a new leader for that team to make sure that um, once a customer buys our software, that they actually know how to get the, the most value out of it. And you know, so to your point, we love when we hear stories about people who were working in a warehouse that was running our software that actually went on to become an administrator and understand how to operate our software. And, and in many cases, they'll go and, and work in another third-party logistics company and bring our software along for the ride. And so we think that that's an important role for us to play. You know, it, listen, I think that there are people who will work in warehouses their whole life. And I think that it's, it's, it can be a great career for people. But offering opportunities for people to, to branch out and do other things, we think, is, is part of the role that we want to play in the industry. Right. And, you, you know, there's going to most of the challenge related to that is if I'm getting trained and I'm, I'm working my butt off all day, but I'm getting trained, and I'm getting good experience. Now I think of myself more as a supply chain guy and less as a guy who works at a warehouse. Much better for me, much better for you as an employer, because you say, yeah, Joe's engaged because he thinks he's he's got a career here. I think, you know, this has come up on my podcast before is that fulfillment center is going to have to figure out with automation, how do we make this so it's not a backbreaking job? How do we make this so it's not walking into a dark, dank warehouse every day where you feel depressed? And, and you know, I know we, <laughs> we have to create a, a job that is suitable for humans. And, we, you know, we, <laughs> we have jobs for humans. We have jobs for robots. And we have to do a better job on all that. But I loved what you said about getting into the training. You guys can be the company, and I think you already are, that are bringing best practices. So if somebody says, hey, I'm just a, I open a warehouse. I'm not from the business. I own it. And I need to get better at what I'm doing. I can't be successful if I can't be efficient. If I can connect with a software company that says, yeah, I'll show you how this business works. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of the challenges of uh, being in the third-party logistics business because ultimately you have customers that in, in some cases will try to dictate how, how your warehouse operates. And so right. part of what we... We encourage our customers to do. We've actually outlined best practices for a variety of, of different types of workflows that happen inside the warehouse. So e-commerce, pallet in, pallet out, pallet in, carton out. And, and so you know, one of the things that we thought was important was to not start from the software, but to start from the warehouse and say, here's, here's how we think a, you know, a warehouse should operate. And so we wrote up those best practices and we went out and we validated them with people who are actually on the ground operating warehouses. And right. then we build our software to deliver on those. And we've also trained our implementation team to coach our customers towards those best practices. And so, you know, it, it's an example of where as, as a company, we, we want to help our customers operate their warehouse more effectively. And so it, that isn't just about software. And right. some of it's also about educating people about why we have built the software the way that we have. And, you know, getting back to the kind of the career development side of things, if you understand, you know, why things are done a certain way in the in the warehouse, and also right. how the software supports that, that's going to make you a much more valuable employee if you go work in another warehouse, because you'll, you'll bring that knowledge with you. And, and it's part of how, you know, I think people who work in a warehouse become knowledge workers. Right. 
and are able to grow their careers. And you got to think of it, your own kids going to work in that. And and I always remember there was a furniture factory that closed in Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids has tons of furniture. And I remember it moved to China and somebody kept, somebody was wanting me to sign a petition saying, no, I don't want it to go. And then I was like, dude, do you want your kid to work at that furniture factory? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, no. I was like, I go, I got two daughters. I just don't, I don't mind them designing furniture. I don't mind them selling it. I just don't think that's a great job. And somebody in China loves that job. I'm guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the people who moved here 150 years ago to Grand Rapids, I bet they loved it, but it doesn't have to be here. Yeah. So we have to create jobs that make sense. Because again, we have a huge labor problem right now. I stopped by my mom a muffin for her, for her coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. Their lobby's closed and they, they don't have enough people to open it. I was like, they drive, everything's drive through. I was like, oh my God can't get people to work in Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think labor is one of those big challenges that our customers face. And I think that some of it is making sure that the the experience you're offering your workers is is one that they actually want to do. It is a big challenge for for the industry. And I think, you know, we we hear a lot about college. There's a lot of people who are choosing not to go to college because of the crazy cost. And I think there's a lot of companies, top companies now, who say you don't need a college degree. So there's going to be a lot of people who say, yeah, I was working at this warehouse, but I took a coding class and I'm going to go work for some software company. You're out. <laughs> so yeah. so it's, you can't keep smart people in your, in your fulfillment center doing a crappy job. We talked a little bit about these fulfillment networks. I like that. We talked about labor and the education. You wanted to talk a little bit about micro-fulfillment, same day, next day. What is that trend? What's happening there? Listen, I think that the, the trend is pretty clear across the entire you know, fulfillment world. Consumers want their stuff faster. And they want it for free, right? And so the core components of delivering on that, I think, are getting getting the inventory closer to consumers, right? And so there are a lot of different approaches that people are taking. And I don't think it, you know, when you look at the, the scale at which e-commerce operates, the diversity of products, the diversity of geographies, I don't think it's going to be a one-size-fits-all solution. But across all of those different industries, the, the one commonality is that they want the, you, you have to locate the inventory closer to the consumer, in order to lower fulfillment costs and that sort of thing, right? And and so you see retailers, you know, it, when I started in e-commerce, stores were going away and there were never going to be any physical stores again. <laughs> and 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 we thought that people who were doing e-commerce fulfillment from stores because they didn't have a distribution center were were insane, right? right. And all of a, you know, and then I shouldn't say all of a sudden, but progressively you've started to see that um, retail plays a different role in the in the ecosystem. It, they become places where you in, in non-pandemic times where you go in and you have a great shopping experience, but they also are part of the fulfillment network. And so getting smarter about how you route orders and, and you know, in, in many cases, recognizing that having retail locations near consumers is actually an opportunity to do fulfillment faster and better, we think is, is going to be a part of the, the puzzle going forward. Right. Retail has been so beat up over the course of the past 15 years or so that I think it's, it's great when an industry like that starts to recognize that there are some structural advantages they have over some of these right. you know, kind of up and coming VC backed e-commerce high flyers, right? Well, again, we've seen fulfill, uh, if you order something from Target, there's a very good chance that, they, that the fulfillment from their local store. I think Walmart can do the same. It is an advantage. So what you would say from a, a DC and fulfillment is we're going to see more, but smaller 
DCs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're we're definitely seeing that. So, you know, beyond retail, I think that you know, we see a lot of smaller footprint warehouses going in. And and frankly, for us, that's really beneficial because you know when you look at some of the traditional, you know, the the WMS industry is an interesting industry in that it's still an industry that is dominated by what back in my NetSuite days we would we would call the the Stone Age software. Meaning the software, you know, big heavy implementations where you're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars up front to get it installed, which may work well if you're running a million square foot warehouse. But if you're putting in 20 warehouses that are each 30,000 square feet around the country, um, you need a, a deployment model that allows you to get that software running in the warehouse much more cost effectively. And so that movement to smaller fulfillment centers, I think, is a really important piece of the overall trend. And it, it certainly is benefiting our company because we think we're much more faster and cost effective to get up and running. And then you also have referenced the gig economy. I think the gig economy has em- empowered a lot of this same day, next day fulfillment because oh, yeah. if you if you have traditional employment models where you have to have somebody on staff forty hours a week, there may not be constant order flow to keep you know a whole a whole team of drivers going. And so being able to tap into you know some of these driver companies to do some of this fulfillment, I think is going to be a really interesting model. And you know every time you think that the the e commerce has kind of reached the end of the line in terms of innovation, you find that uh, there's another wave that's coming. Right. And I think we're, we're going, we're going to see even more change because again, when you see Target and Walmart, you, you, you blurring the lines between e-commerce and retail. And you start to say, is that guy who is at the desk handing the e-commerce purchase to someone, is he retail or is he e-commerce? I guess in the way the line doesn't even matter anymore. It's just serve your customers, yeah, <laughs> give them yeah. the experience they want. <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. Curbside, right? Like that e-commerce, you know, <laughs> somebody delivered it from the store to your car. Right. Yeah, and, and I think that what you just touched on though, is the really important piece. Consumers are the ones who are going to decide how this whole thing plays out over time. You know, as we look at what we're doing as a company, the consumers are driving the decisions that brands and retailers are making in terms of how they implement their fulfillment strategy. And then brands and retailers are driving the decisions that third-party logistics companies are making. And so when we talk internally, we talk a lot about our customer's customer and the experience that they have interacting with our software. Because ultimately, if we build software that helps our customers serve their customers better, then they're going to expand their use and grow, and it's good. It's good for everyone, right? That's what Amazon is doing. So, in a lot of ways, you don't have a choice. If you want to sell, you want to compete against Amazon, whether you want to or not. Regardless of what business is, and you're kind of being held to the Amazon standard. This come up sometimes in our conversations here that consumer software like Amazon, like Facebook, eBay, all these have created such wonderful experiences that when we go to work, we won't accept. Crap, and I and I think about when I was young, using the black screens with the green, you know, <laughs> space, space, the, the, space, ta- the tablet is worn out. Yeah. And I remember I used to say, I was a release engineer, and I remember you say, you know, your life has gone wrong when you find yourself at that terminal <laughs> in the basement, plugging in your stuff. So we won't accept that anymore. If somebody said, "Hey, Joe, go to the green screen, go over here," you'd be like, "No." Hell no. Figure it out, man. Yeah, no, I mean, we we see that in our products. We're doubling the size of our design team internally because we we know that people want to have great experiences. And, you know, when you think about the the retailer experience, particularly as you think about these hybrid fulfillment networks that are are popping up, that if you're just looking at information about a single warehouse, it's not going to be the whole picture about fulfillment. And so we're, we're actually rebuilding the whole brand and retailer facing side of our offering because... What brands and retailers want is for their orders to just flow 99.9% of the time. 
And they only want to know when something goes wrong with an order and they don't want it to go wrong very often, right? And so when that happens, you know, if it's 8.30 at night and you get a notification that, that something's gone wrong with an order, you know, you're, you're sitting there watching TV with your kids. What you want to do is you want to pull out your phone and you want to be able to go on your phone and, you know, probably there are only two or three things that you would need to do. Reroute the order to a different warehouse or offer the consumer a refund or authorize right. a return. And so mobile is becoming a much bigger piece of what we're designing. And what our customers are seeing is that their customers are really pushing them that way. And you also want to be able to see things like, you know, is, is the SLA being met for, for fulfillment, that sort of thing. And so designing mobile first is, is a big initiative that we have inside our company. Yep. It's all about that experience. So we talked about networks. We talked about labor and education and you know, make, making those knowledge workers. We talked about DCs close to the center. I want to talk a, a little bit about sustainability. Everybody does e-commerce or receives an e-commerce thing has had the experience where they get this huge box, then a whole bunch of plastic bubbles, and then a cartridge <laughs> or right. something yeah. very small. And you go, really? I think it happens less. I think it's happening a lot less because I get a lot of stuff where you go, wow, that was hardly packed. But talk about that sustainability and uh, what you guys are trying to do with that. It's a challenge. You know, e-commerce has done a lot of great things for the world, but having an Amazon truck roll up to my house twice a day and drop off cardboard that, you know, ultimately ends up, you know, hopefully in a recycling center, but, but still like that's, that's a, a, a serious impact. Yeah, so the efficiency with which, you know, pick and pack happens inside a warehouse is actually an important piece of that. And so, you know, we're we're looking at making pretty significant investments in cartonization to make sure that you're packing boxes as efficiently as possible. So you're, you're not sending three boxes. Shipping air. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And then even, even at the order management level, I do this all the time where I'll be shopping on a website, I'll place an order and then something catches my eye before I leave the site and I end up buying something else. And, you know, and, and as a consumer, I think, well, gosh, I hope that they're not going to send that to me in two separate orders. And so putting in place again, you know, we recently bought a company called Scubana that is about intelligent order management. And so looking at things like how do you, when you get two or three orders from a consumer that are all getting delivered, how do you consolidate those orders before you send them to the warehouse so that they're coming in a single box or a single shipment? We think it is not just you know, good business for the 3PL and good business for the retailer, but it's it's a whole lot better from a sustainability standpoint. Right. And and if you think about this, there's a lot of brands that are selling based on sustainability. And that's, and so you might say, oh, you know, I'm not overly worried. You guys are, you're uh, environmental uh, crazies. Don't worry about what I think. Don't even worry about what Andy thinks. You're the consumer or the, the consumer brand that you work with is they're telling their customer that we're green, that we're, we're environmentally uh, conscious, we're sustainable. So if they're telling that at some point, somebody's going to say, well, if you are, show us your supply chain. And if that supply chain shows a whole bunch of unethical activity, like I got a sweatshop somewhere, or I've got workers in an unsafe or unhealthy location, I'm going to pay for that. And and I think these brands are saying most consumers who are buying that are willing to pay a little extra for you to do the right thing. So we're going to have to do the right thing by packaging. And I think also you mentioned the whole free thing. When we're talking about free, it's not free to the environment either. So I insist upon getting my package same day, next day, and it's free. But could I have waited a day? And, and lessen the environmental impact so it comes with the rest of my groceries or the rest of my stuff. And I think you're going to have brands start to say, hey, you know what? We don't want to work that way. We don't, we don't make individual shipments like that. We're going to group it. And we're doing it because people that buy from us want that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think that consumers, yeah, they, they, you, you just touched on, it. I think consumers are going to force that behavior on, on brands. And I think, you know, the other side of it is also that same day, next day and getting the product closer to consumers is also beneficial from a, from a green perspective, right? Is like right. throwing, throwing a, a $10 t-shirt on, you know, on an airplane to fly it from New Jersey to Topeka, Kansas to, to be fulfilled <laughs> the next day. It's not good business, but it's also just not good for the environment. And so right. when you're delivering packages that are maybe traveling five or 10 miles, as opposed to delivering them so they're flying you know, 1,500 miles across the country, right. it just makes good sense on a lot of levels. So I know you guys are creating software and a lot of what you're trying to do is get rid of all the paper in the system. So speak to a little bit about that because that's also attached to sustainability. It's not a humongous thing in you know, for one employee. But when you start to look across the board, we all have a lot of paper still. And it drives me crazy when I hear about pieces of paper like, oh, my e- <laughs> my bill of materials or my um, <laughs> bill of lading. You're like, why isn't that on your phone by now? It's silly. Right. Yeah. It, it, there's a lot of paper in, in warehouses. There are a lot of pick tickets that get printed still. And, and those pick tickets, you know, there, the, there is the environmental component to it, but there's also the, the element of consumers want to know where their order is at any given time. And so getting, getting pick, rid of pick tickets don't talk. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Getting rid of paper in the warehouse is one of the things that, that causes a lot of people to actually, you know, implement our software because handwriting, right? Like nobody writes anything anymore. And so you, you know, we actually have, we have customers that talk to us about the challenges of inaccurate writing, you know, in, in oh. illegible handwriting on pick tickets in, in the warehouse. So, so, so we do have a lot of customers that come to us to try and eliminate paper, both from an accuracy standpoint, from a visibility standpoint, but also from an environmental standpoint. You know, circling back on the, on the, the green thing and, and the e-commerce side of things, the first thing I do when I unpack an e-commerce package is I take all of the packing slips and all the, garbage that they throw in the box and I put it in the recycling bin. Right. And, and so right. there, there are so many things when you ask consumers, do they really care whether there's a packing slip that's included with their package? Most of them don't. Most of them, frankly, would, would just as soon not, not be there. So software, I think is really helpful and mobile, mobile in particular is a big piece of that. When every time I get a piece of paper in a box, I always go, well, maybe I should save this. Maybe I'm going to need this. And, and, and so I don't even know where to put it. So it ends up just kind of staying in that box for a week or two and then throw the whole thing in the garage, wait six months and throw it out. Yep. So we covered a lot of ground here. And what else I'll try and summarize then to get, I want you to get your final thoughts on this. So future of third party fulfillment. So there's big things coming. So you talked about this whole idea of building networks of fulfillment centers. So rather than me having to ship my apple pies all from one place here in Michigan, I can connect with a whole bunch of people as long as they're willing to have the same software, ideally 3PL Central. <laughs> so then we talked a lot about labor and how we have to make that a knowledge worker job, not a not a job that nobody wants. You're not going to be able to, to get people in there. And also, again, you're much better off having people who are engaged who say, look, I've got a great gig here and I'm growing. And, uh, I want this job. This is my first first job in the supply chain. We also talked about the same day, next day, and why DCs are going to get maybe, sm- not everywhere, but some cases, smaller and closer to the customer. So we might have more DCs, fewer of those huge monoliths, but smaller ones that can can deliver to some zip codes in a day, <laughs> right? Yep. yep. And then we talked a little bit about sustainability, including paperless, why we have to just kind of move out of this. E- e- if e-commerce has a few chinks in its armor. One is the boxes and the environmental impact of, yeah, I shipped, I got that toothpaste on my front porch overnight. 
because I needed it that desperately. And wow, we got to get out of that. And then um, you talked a little bit about the training, which I think goes with the knowledge worker. So I know we went all over the place here, Lord Andy. So please give me some final thoughts on the topic before we talk about what's going on at your company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that the reality of e-commerce fulfillment right now is that virtually the entire supply chain is is operating at capacity. And you, you saw it last April when the world went into lockdown and God forbid Amazon packages were taking seven days to get to your house, right? And, and so, <laughs> you know, I think that the common thread that ties through all of these things is is trying to get smarter about the way that you you operate your business. And and software is absolutely an important part of that. Having people in the warehouse who actually feel empowered to make suggestions about better ways to do things, I think, is is going to be an important piece of this. And we think, particularly as it relates to the the acquisition of Scubana, about making smart decisions about where you locate inventory and how you route orders is, is going to be a, a big piece of what happens. But at the end of the day, logistics and supply chain space is, is one where you're actually moving physical goods. And in order to move physical goods, you know, robots can only do so much and you're going to need great people. And so making sure that the, the people who are operating in this industry, to your point, are not operating sweatshops, that they're taking an active interest in developing their employees so that they keep their best employees who can drive that innovation. We think that that's, it's a really interesting segment of the market that has probably been overlooked for too long with all the flashy stuff that happens on the front end of e-commerce. And so we're really excited to be playing an important role in, in this evolution. And, and you, somebody could say, uh, be very jaded about this and say, you look at Amazon, they've got commercials about people working in their fulfillment center saying, hey, this is a great gig. I got health care. I've got education, um, educational money available. And somebody could say, yeah, that's a scam. But they are paying above market rates now. And I think that is going to be a selling point because I think Amazon looked and said, you know, we get a lot of bad press. Some people are trying to unionize, unionize some locations. And I think they looked and said, you know what, let's take what is right now sort of a negative. People don't think that's a good job. Let's turn that around. Let's make this a better job. So when somebody says, why would you ever buy from Amazon? They operate sweatshops because no, you know, actually it's not a bad gig. And I honestly don't know what it's like to work in there, but I'm pretty sure Amazon will figure it out because they are not going to want that bad press for long. Yeah. I mean, we, our customers see that one of their biggest challenges is attracting and retaining talented people. Right. And so, you know, while there, there may be a, a little bit of incremental cost up front to pay your people more, or frankly, invest in their career development a little bit more, if it keeps your best people in your business. And ultimately, that's one of the things that's different about a third-party logistics warehouse is private or company-operated warehouse. It's a job versus our warehouses are actually businesses and they're operated by entrepreneurs. We love the entrepreneurial story. And and I think great entrepreneurs recognize that compensating their employees fairly and and helping them develop their careers is an important piece of of where the the industry is going. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before you go, Tell us a little bit more about 3PL Central and your acquisition of Scubana. I hope I pronounced yeah. that right. <laughs> yes, yes. There, there are a lot of different ways that people pronounce that. And that is SKU, S-K-U, yes. Bana. Yes, <laughs> it's, rel- it's, it's a pretty clever name. So we're, we're really excited. You know, obviously, last year was an interesting year for us. You know, we actually had a record month in January. And then February and March, we were one of the first companies that I think got impacted by COVID in that all the factories shut down in China in January. And so our customers, or rather our prospects, you know, weren't seeing those containers coming across and our pipeline evaporated, right? And then from that point forward, though, the growth of e-commerce was was really beneficial for us. And 
As a growth stage company, I think one of the things that we're really excited about is that the faster we grow, the faster we can invest back into our business. And so employees at our company have done an incredible job and have, you know, in addition to being able to acquire Scubana so that we can help build this next generation smarter supply chain, we also you know, kind of got a, a renewed investment from our partners at Mainsail, who are, is the private equity firm that we, we operate with. And our goal really is to invest as aggressively as we can in helping bring these intelligent solutions to market so that we can, you know, hopefully affect some of the change where we're providing, you know, a better experience for employees, we're producing a greener world, and also just helping meet consumer expectations for fulfilling orders in a much more timely manner. So we're, we're at a really exciting point in the evolution of the company. We take very seriously our commitment to our third-party logistics customers. Um, it's one of the reasons why when we're talking about these virtual 4PL networks, we see them trying to figure out how they're going to do fulfillment nationally and cost effectively. And so the biggest part of the growth that we saw last year is getting invested back into building software that helps these third-party logistics companies run their business better. So I, I couldn't be more excited about where we are as a company. Well, it sounds like you got some exciting things going on. And I'll tell you, I think this is a fascinating area because when we talk about fulfillment in general, it's still new. We really, and you talk about software, and I think you didn't use the term, but I always call it like business rules. There's software, there's business rules around that software, and then there's best practices. And you kind of think you could get to the place where you say, hey, that's a that's a 3PL central configuration at that, that location, meaning it meets those standards. And I think that's going to be important because we're all going to use multiple fulfillment centers. That's there's Even if right now somebody said, hey, I have all the money in the world and I'm going to go roll up this industry, we're still going to have <laughs> tons of locations and they're going to have to standardize around some systems. We've all standardized around ERP systems, right? And payment systems. We're going to get to a place where a lot of people are going to be on the same software. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 3PL Central, but if we need to get to a place where fulfillment centers can all connect at the appropriate level with appropriate permissions. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, and where you have a good level of sophistication to how you're doing things in each warehouse. And so that's where, you know, as we look at things like these virtual, these 4PL fulfillment networks, being able to create a master configuration inside 3PL Central and then push it out to all the other 3PL Central instances and, and have a good degree of confidence that the consumer experience is going to be the same or very similar, regardless of whether you're getting fulfilled out of a DC and LA or a, you know somewhere in New Jersey or somewhere in between. And so we think that is one of the big advantages of having 1,600 warehouses that are running our software going forward. Very nice, very nice. Well, Andy, thank you so much for taking the time. This is quite the education. And what I'll do is I'll put a link to your website. Well, probably two websites. Have you integrated Scubana with uh, 3PL Central yet? Uh, no, they're, they're separate. They actually, you know, they, they sell largely to retailers and brands. And so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll have a separate value proposition for them for a while. There will be convergence, but for right now, they're still separate. The challenge is you guys both have really cool names. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We have an interesting branding exercise ahead of us. So stay tuned. I'll put a link to both of those websites. I'll also put a link to your LinkedIn profile. And I think you had a few white papers we'll share about people's experience with your company. And uh, we'll, we'll send over the information about our scholarship program because we, we do think oh, that, that, yeah. that, that that's an important part of, uh, of developing the next generation leaders. No, I think that's a, that's a fantastic idea. And I'll tell you, if you're working in a warehouse and you know, I, I did a lot of what I call college incentive work when I was young. And when you're doing that work, you're like, I got to get through college. I can't keep doing this kind of work. Yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. so I think 
it is also fantastic experience. I think so many people, young people, are going to miss out on that opportunity that a lot of us had to work in jobs that are not ones you want to do for your whole life, but you gain valuable insights and experience. So thank you so much. I'll put all those links in there. And again, this was an interesting conversation. Again, this is the future. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate the time and uh, letting me join you on the show. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward and Upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com. 